this is a, a, a teaching. Um, Jacob, I, I think I told you last week, Jacob talked, told me to, to, well, I was emailing back and forth with Jacob, how do we progress? It seems like in some ways we stalled. Um, how do we go forward? So I emailed him some thoughts. And he liked them so much that he told me to uh, teach on them. So last week we looked at um, the gods in the business of reconciling the whole world to himself, of bringing the world back to himself. himself. And we looked at how he invites us to take part of this and how it's a privilege for us to now join in this work of God, of, of bringing the world back to God, of seeing the kingdom established on the earth. This is a huge privilege for us to share in this work. Um, but along with the privilege, there's also now the responsibility, right? There's a responsibility that I actually step out and now start doing this work. That just because God's given me this mandate or given me this privilege, I can't just sit back and enjoy it. I have to actually step out and um, to do it, right? And a lot of the doing involves training and getting prepared for it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning I want to talk a lot about there's going to be a lot about counting the costs about um, what it's going to cost us. There's a lot of it. And it's all coming out of stuff from my own life. Um, so I'm sharing a lot of things and struggles and battles I've had to face. Um, so it's a kind of a personal message this morning. Uh, most of them are, but this one even more so. And uh, yeah. So know that everything I'm talking about today is stuff I've had to work through for the last four years. I think I've been here four years, right? I'm asking you, but three or four. I think it was 2010 I came in December. Um, so all this is coming out of stuff I've had to work with. And uh, <laughs> I emailed it to Jacob. And he was like, that's tough when you put it that way. Um, as in, it's a hard thing to do. But he approved of all the stuff. So that's good to know. So we talked about the privilege and the responsibility that we have. So what do we do now? How do we now, from taking this this taking the knowledge that, yes, we have this job to do, how do we now actually take that step? How do we actually now step into it? How do we start accomplishing what God wants for us to do? Well, the only way I can accomplish this thing is if I'm willing to train myself and I'm willing to grow in my gifts and grow in my understanding of who God is and what his kingdom looks like. And uh, this is accomplished in a number of ways. None of this will probably be new, this part here. Um, I'm just going to mention it now. We'll come back to it later. But all this training and this growing up and this maturing all happens in three ways. Or from three sources, you could say. One is through a... What did I put here? By willing to place myself under a a spiritual father. Um, I really don't like the word spiritual, but it helps in this case. I don't like. Uh, no, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a category for this part. This is more just setting it up. We'll come back to this later and explain all these things. Um, so I place myself under a spiritual father, or just father. I prefer just father, but to distinguish between my biological dad and like my other dad or father, Jacob, um, just use the word spiritual. 
reason I don't like spirituals because it makes it sound like he's just there for like the godliness part of me and has nothing, no influence on like the rest of my life. Where the spiritual father has influence on all areas of my life, from how I treat my family to how I go about my work to how I stay calm or get mad to how my relationship is with God. There's an influence from the spiritual father on all those things. The second influence that I need to grow in is uh, being connected to a body. So I place myself under a father. I'm connected to a body. So that's the second place. I'm connected to a body where um, a body can encourage me, can strengthen me, uh, allows me to take risks and to, to fail and to grow and learn from those risks or those failings. A body being like this body here. So I learn from the Father, the body, and also I learn by placing my, or reconnecting with God the Father or the Holy Spirit. Um, That's not how you spell that word. This is a really nice marker, by the way. Connect with my Heavenly Father. As in, I need to grow in that connection with God. These are the three areas, three things I need to be connected with, of coming under, of learning from, in order to grow so that I can now accomplish this mandate that God has given me. In order to accomplish and to learn from all these, though, I have to begin by first counting the cost. And this is where we'll get to the first point on that sheet. We have to count the cost and realize the sacrifice that's required. Because, guys, (laughs) there is a sacrifice, a huge sacrifice required out of you, out of me, in order to now walk in these things that God has given to us. Um... And so often neglected, the fact that there is, this is going to cost us. Luke fourteen twenty five to 33. Jesus doesn't shy away from this idea eh, of, of, of sacrifice and there being a cost. He talks about it quite a bit. So here's Luke fourteen twenty five to 33. <laughs> That's how Jesus puts it. Now the crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, <coughs> he said to them, whoever comes to me, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Jesus puts it pretty starkly here. There is a cost. To be his disciple, to, to learn from him, to grow in him, to grow in this mandate that God has given to each one of us, this privilege and responsibility to join his work, there's going to be a cost. And Jesus says, unless you hate 
your parents, your wife, your children, <laughs> your life itself. You cannot do these things. Um, now, Jesus is using, obviously, some kind of exaggeration, right? Like, he's not telling us to actually hate my wife and children. Um, and we can't go too far in the extreme where we now just abandon everything, right? Because First Timothy 5.8 says, And whoever does not provide for relatives, and especially for family members, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So in one sense, we're not abandoning our family. That's not what Jesus is calling to, that you should just leave them all behind and go be with him. The point here is that you can't have anything to tie you down if you're going to follow Jesus. That he is the only thing you're after, more than anything else. Um, so let's say, I'll give an example here. <clears throat> if I like chocolate ice cream, um, whoops. if I like chocolate ice cream, it also has this kind of tie to me, right? Where if someone offers me a bowl of chocolate ice cream, perhaps I will... I'm willing to give other stuff up to go to it. Or let's say someone offers me chocolate ice cream, says, if you'll go and grab my sneakers, you can have some of my ice cream. Right? Now there's this incentive to do it because I kind of like the ice cream. However, if I hate chocolate ice cream, which I kind of do, um, <laughs> you too? Wow. Yeah. Me too. Wow. If you hate chocolate ice cream... All of a sudden, there's no more, chocolate ice cream has no hold over your life, right? So someone can't use chocolate ice cream to get you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Because it's, I don't care. I'm not getting your shoes because your chocolate ice cream means nothing to me. In fact, it's less of an incentive to go and do that. Um, if I hate chocolate ice cream, um, then that ice cream will never be a reason, for instance, that I don't go outside on a hot, sunny day. Because I might be afraid my ice cream might melt. If I don't like the ice cream, it doesn't matter if I go outside because I don't care if it melts because I don't like it anyways. This is kind of the point Jesus is getting at, that we can't allow our family members or other people or our own life to have influence on what we're going to do or what God calls us to. And guys, this is a huge issue. And having four kids, this is obviously a very pertinent issue to me. Um, and this is an issue where there is tons of guilt. Um, right? Again, I'm sharing from my own life here, guys, because this is something I've had to deal with a lot. For the issue of family, how do I value my family? So the question I have to ask is, should I go and meet with Jacob this night, say on a Tuesday night, or should I be at home with my kids to tuck them into bed? This is the dilemma I face, right? Should I go to Telios on a Wednesday night, or should I be at home with my wife and kids? The kids aren't feeling well tonight. Should I be with them, or should I go... Um, do something else with, that God has called me to. Understand the big issues here. I mean, sometimes we like to use like really fluffy ones and like, oh, if we just give up our $10. But the issues here are huge. These are issues I deal with all the time. Um, and how do we face these tough situations? And it's not just spouses and children. I know not everyone here has children and spouses. Um, other issues too. Following the path of God can take you away from your parents. And so following God might mean that you can't be with your parents if they're ill or sick and you can't help them. Uh, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, uh, you, most, some of you guys know, my dad went through a complete like nervous breakdown. Like, lost it all. He couldn't stop crying. You said the wrong word and he would just lose it. He couldn't remember. He's still affected by it. 
And uh, it was tough. There was part of me that wanted to go move back to Alberta to be with them, just so I could help out at the time. Because my dad's going through this huge thing, and he can't. He's on heavy medications. He can't sleep, or he sleeps too much with the medication. My mom was also going through a lot of stuff that time, and it was just a mess. Um, and part of me wanted to go there, and yet at the same time feel like God is calling me here. Am I willing to give that up? Um, Mariana struggles with this too. Of we have tons of family in Ontario and love to be with our family. We love living <laughs> with family. We spent a couple of years in Vernon where my sister lived by. It was like some of the best times having a sister live close by. And yet now we live here and they moved to Alberta. Um, we have no real close family here, like relatives and stuff. I have an uncle in Delta, but that's about it. And we're not all that close. We see each other once or twice a year, but that's about it. Um, these are issues you guys have to face too. You, some of you haven't seen sisters and brothers or parents in decades. Um, why do we get this stuff? This is the stuff that, that, these are the kind of costs that we have to start evaluating. Um, another one, maybe if we go down this path, our parents will disapprove of us. I mean, again, we struggled with this too, where we were kind of the black sheep of the family because we moved out to Vancouver. <laughs> we were the black sheep family just moving to Vernon uh, for a number of reasons. Um, and it became even worse when we moved out here. Um, I know talking with Jacob, he faced that too, of um, how he faced this kind of backlash from his family because he came out here because he was following what God was going to do because he didn't have a, a real job. You know, he didn't know where his paycheck is coming from or anything like that. This is part of the cost that God is calling us to. What are we going to do? Are we going to love God or are we going to spend our time with our family? And these are not easy decisions because I love my wife. I love my kids. It is not easy to say, I'm going to go be at Telios on a Wednesday night rather than be with them. It is not an easy decision. Um, <laughs> maybe the cost is disrupting of your lifestyle as well. Um, where all of a sudden God's calling you to give up a job or give up a security or give up something like that. Are we willing to let that go? To hate your own life in order to follow God? There is this cost to discipleship of Jesus where yes, it's a privilege and there's a responsibility and to, cop- to do that, there is a cost for our own selves to give up. There needs to be a time of reflection, guys, where we ask ourselves, do I really believe this word that was spoken over me? I think last week we talked about going over your, the prophetic words that have been spoken over you. Hopefully some of you did that. And looking at this word, and, and we have to ask ourselves seriously and say, do I believe this prophetic word, that this is what God has called me to? And if this is what he's called me to, what am I willing to give up to see it come about? How much am I willing to sacrifice in order for it to come about? Uh, how much am I willing to pay to see this word come to fruition? And it can't be an emotional decision I mean, sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in, in emotions. Um, like in Vernon, <laughs> when we were there, and Jacob first gave this prophetic word, um, and you first hear it. There's this emotion that kind of goes along with it, right? Of, yes, let's go do it. Let's go run. Let's go move to Vancouver. And not even thinking about what that will actually mean in terms of cost to family, of living, of money, of no job, of all these things. There's an emotion sometimes that just carries us off in there. We can't allow the emotion to be the thing that makes us make that decision. Um, we have to really pray about it. We need to really contemplate about it. Think about it. What are we willing to give up to see this come about? 
Um, we can't also just do it just because this is something that we should be doing. It can't just be like, well, okay, God called me this, I'll just kind of go along with it because he's my king, so I'll just kind of uh, go along with it. I have no other choice. It's got to be more than that. If you're just going along with it because you're supposed to or you should, again, it's going to be a burden on you. It's going to weigh you down. It's going to cause you to become bitter and angry and oh, it will ruin your life. Yeah, it'll be a pain. Um, or sometimes we just, again, with emotions, we get swept up into it, right? And we get all excited and we move out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the world starts to come and the cares of the world. This is the parable of the sower and the seeds. We accept it quickly and we don't really count the cost. So we just kind of jump into it. And all of a sudden, life becomes a lot harder. And then all of a sudden, we're like, why are we doing this? Um, and it weighs us down. The cares of the world weigh us down. And all these things start to choke it right out of us. And now what had potential is choked and withers and dies. Um, or sometimes we want to just accept the word. So we kind of accept it and say, that's great. But we're, again, we don't count a cost or figure in that there's going to require us of something. And so we just let it be and nothing gets done. It just kind of, we do the whole que sera, sera, as Jacob likes to say a lot. Whatever will be, will be, right? And so we just kind of lounge back and say, ah, oh, this is the word spoken over me. It'll come about. I don't have to do anything. And then it just kind of fades away and nothing gets done. The birds come down and eat it all up before it takes any kind of root. Right? <laughs> I told you this week would be a bit more of a, uh, uh, a harder one. <laughs> um, but listen to Sue, what Sue said, right? Sue said you're supposed to listen to every word. So <laughs> she had no idea what she was talking about when she said that. <laughs> So we need to count the cost. We need to figure out the cost. And then when we do that, when we're willing to say, okay, I know God, this is going to cost me. This will cost me my reputation. This will cost me time with my family. This will cost me all these different things. Now we begin to be able to grow in this. And we still say yes. We begin to grow in it. And that's where we come to these things. So now that I know the cost, I can place myself under a father. Because I don't really like the word spiritual there. Um, but a father who's able to, to help me, to guide me in all these things of life, who, I can, who can help me hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because sometimes, you know, I don't like to hear this part about the cost thing, so I'll just ignore that part. But a, a father can hit that with you. Um, a father's one, well, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 to 16 says, For though you might have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Indeed, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I appeal to you then, be imitators of me. This father then is someone we can cling on to, we can grab to for dear life sometimes. Um, we can learn from the father, from our father. This is the, yeah. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 to 16. We learn from this father. I'll use spiritual father just to help distinguish between God the Father and other father. Um, we can learn through the spiritual father by talking to them. Guys, I spend tons of time talking with Jacob every other week or every week or more, talking to him, asking him questions, learning from him. Um, we allow them to speak into our lives, or Jacob's constantly speaking into my life. Um, we allow the father to correct things, um, to change directions that we are heading in. This has been... 
a lot of recently too, where God, Jacob's been able to, to speak into my life. This is where we need to go now, Jacob, or Jason. Where Jacob can say, these are the things that need to, to change in your life. A father's able to warn you. This just happened uh, just before he left on his trip. Jacob saying, Jason, when you're going into this time, beware of these things coming back into your life. Just watch out for them. Don't allow them to, to take a hold in your life. All these things that, that the father's now, the spiritual father is able to, to point to me and to direct me in, <coughs> um, to correct me in. The spiritual father is someone we can cling to when, when life is just kind of crummy sometimes. Um, and I did that last two weeks ago, where life just seemed hard, and I didn't know what to do, what to turn, and I phoned Jacob up, just said, Jacob, help, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going, I feel like there's all these different things happening right now, and I don't know which direction to go into, and it's a father I can just go to and share these things with, of kind of get a little weepy with, um, and he didn't even necessarily give answers, but I can. But I know his love for me. I know that he's praying for me. That not just even praying. Cause sometimes we use praying just to go over things. But where he's really concerned about what's going on and trying to help. And and it was the encouragement I needed at that time that I could go to him when I'm feeling really down, and I can connect with him, and he can speak words of life into my life, which I really needed at the time. Um. And sometimes we just learn from fathers just by being around them, being in their presence, that we watch what they're doing, we imitate what they're doing. It's amazing like how your kids imitate you when you're not telling them, right? The repeating words that you have said, for the good and for the bad sometimes, they're, they're acting like you do. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, she's doing that just like Mariana does that all the time. <laughs> or she's being like me, stop that. Uh, <laughs> Right? Your kids are imitators. And not just of us, even you guys too. It's, uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, my kids at one point started saying, aw shucks a lot. Because Jacob was always saying that. And there's some other, I can't remember what it was the other day, that they were saying, and it's just because Jacob says it all the time. And so the, easy squeezy lemon squeezy, yeah. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, yeah. Right? So notice that you guys are, uh, my kids are imitating you as well. So uh, watch what you're saying. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> they snort when they laugh too, yeah. Oh yeah, they, they watch all of you guys, right? And me, it's not just us, you know, mom and dad. All you guys are having an influence on our kids. Um, and it's the same, we get influenced by Jacob just because we, we're with him a lot. Um, because we see him on a Sunday morning even. All of a sudden, you start imitating him. I remember I, I uh, did an internship once with this pastor in Moose Jaw, of all places. And he always said cheerio. I don't know why. He wasn't British at all. Um, but every time he would say goodbye to somebody, he would say cheerio. And, it, and it was, I found it the weirdest thing. And yet, after spending like three months with this guy, I'm starting to say it. And I thought it was the, the craziest thing ever. Like, who says cheerio at the end of a sentence? But... Just subconsciously, also, I started imitating this guy. And he wasn't even anywhere near like a spiritual father to me. But sometimes we're just influenced by being around those people, right? And that's what a spiritual father does. He influences you even just by his presence. That's what Paul said at the end, right? Of, um, I appeal to you, be imitators of me. Just imitate what I'm doing. Follow what I'm doing. Um, it doesn't mean per- you have to be perfection. Like, I don't expect you guys to be perfect around my kids. Um, but the kids can learn what repentance is like as well when we screw up. Right? 
they learn a lot of what screwing up is from me. I do it a lot. And they can learn what it means to say you're sorry when you've gotten upset or when you've messed something up. They learn repentance too. They learn forgiveness from you as well. That's all these things that the kids can learn from you. So we learn from a spiritual father. We learn by being connected to a body. I think I've told you guys before, you guys have helped shape who I am in a lot of ways. A body can encourage you. You guys have encouraged me so much the last four years. Uh, even before we moved here, I remember I went to a Bible study. Um, this was like two months before we even moved here. And you had no idea who I was. I think all you knew was this is the guy who's the prophetic word where the wife kicked her in the, or the baby kicked the wife in the stomach. That's how I kept being referred to as. Uh, <laughs> you know that word where the baby kicked the, the mom? That's this guy. Um, and you guys were encouraging to me. When we moved here, you guys have helped. Um, you've, you probably don't even know half the time of how you made me feel better about things. You guys have supported us um, on these last four years. So this is what a body does. This is why we need to be connected to a body. A body encourages us. A body strengthens us. It gives us the muscle when we're feeling weak. Um, the body allows us to take risks and to fail. You have put up with some really bad messages from me. Um, there have been. You probably weren't here yet. <laughs> but there were some that were just not that great. And Jacob, you guys are nice, so you don't let me know. But Jacob lets me know uh, when they're not good. <laughs> and you guys have allowed me to continue teaching and uh, hopefully improve. And um, yeah, you guys allow me to to mess up, and it's great. The, Yes, thank you. Yes, they have gotten a lot better. I know. Um, <laughs> that you guys have helped shape who I am, of the confidence, of knowing what God's love is for me. I've learned from watching you guys. What it means to, to <laughs> speak in tongues or what it means to hear from God. I've learned it from Jacob, but I've also learned it from watching you guys. That being connected helps us to do that. It's important that we connect together. Um, and it's important that we don't connect just on a Sunday and this is appeal to all of us, we need to connect more often than that. Um, we need to connect to these things throughout the week. That's why we have like a prayer meeting or a Bible study throughout the week. So we can connect to each other. We can encourage each other more often. Um, that's why we only try to do it once a week or maybe twice a week. So we don't want to burden people. But it's important that we still get together more often than just on Sunday mornings. Um, the growth that happens for doing a prayer time together, the growth that happens that when we come and just study a, a, the Bible together in the Bible study setting, um, the, it's incredible. Um, if you want to walk in the things of God, you got to connect. And yes, it will cost you time. Um, yes, it can be a hassle sometimes. It can be really inconvenient sometimes in the middle of the week to, to go out to a Bible study or go out to a, a prayer meeting. But this is, again, part of counting the cost. Are we willing to pay that cost of going out to a midweek thing, to a turn-up thing, like Chris likes to call it, the turn-up. Are we willing to pay the cost of going out to that because of the benefits that will come to us, the benefits that then we can step into these things that God has for us, the benefit of being trained by the body to accomplish these things. And then finally, we need to connect to the Heavenly Father as well. That we need to connect to the Father through the Holy Spirit, connect to Jesus by meditating on Scripture, by spending time in His presence, um, so I can better understand who this God is and what he's like. Um, God forms us both through the Father, 
So God will use both this and this. It's not like they're doing these things outside of God, right? It's not like Jacob's just being Jacob when he's teaching me. It's God is using Jacob to teach me. God is using you guys as a body to help teach me. And yet there's also times when it's just one-on-one time between God and me where I'm sitting down um, with the Bible and reading the Bible. And there's times I'm sitting down and praying and pouring out to God, what am I doing? Or God, I need your help. Um, there are times when I'm just sitting and saying, God, I just want to feel your presence. I just want to be with you. Um, there's times when Jake starts waking up and being at the banqueting table um, where you're feasting on who God is and feasting on the things that God has for you. But these things need to take part of it as well. All three of these things. Any questions so far? There's a lot in here I've been talking about. I shocked you so much with the first part. So this is how we're going to grow. This is how we're going to grow to accomplish what God has for us. We come under a spiritual father. We connect to a body. We connect with our Heavenly Father. It has to be all three of these. If any of those are missing, you're not going to be able to accomplish what God has. It just won't happen. If you try to do it without this, you're like an orphan. You'll just kind of make things up. You try to do it without this, you become a maverick. Um, and just doing your own kind of thing. And if you try to do it without this, you're nothing. It's pointless, yeah. Then you're weak and you can't do accomplish a thing. It needs you need all three things. And guys, if we do all three of these things, like I was saying before, there's going to be a cost. There is going to be a cost. I know there's a cost. Um and to pay the cost, it will involve us giving up control. This is the one thing I've had to to learn. We have to be willing to give up the control of all these things. Um, why do I want to be there to raise my kids? Because I love them, which is certainly part of it, obviously. But I want to see them... I want to be there to, to raise my kids because I want to see them become all who they can be, right? I want to see them come into to their fullness. And this is good. But I also want to be there because I think I need to be the one who does that, right? We think we need to be there because we want to have this control over who our kids are going to be. And like I said, on one level, that's a good thing. I mean, if you're not there in your kid's life, if you're not there for your parents when they're sick, that's not good. Um, we're, we're supposed to be there. We're given the responsibility of raising these children. However, if we're going to walk in these God things and do these things and start accomplishing what God wants us to do, we have to let go of this control and in some way trust God to say, okay, Father, if you're calling me to meet with Jacob tonight, I need to trust you to take care of my kids tonight when I'm not there. Which sounds really nice and pious, but it is hard it's really hard um do i actually trust god that my kids won't be screwed up if i go meet with jacob or if i go to tell or if i do all these other things um this guys i'll tell you my life is crazy sometimes <laughs> um because of what i'm doing like 
And this is in no way trying to brag. It's kind of just what God's called me to.